you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast, a three-day winning streak for the major averages with the S&P and NASDAQ up over 5% since last Thursday. The Dow just a shade less than that. So what is behind this mini melt-up? Can it last? We'll debate that. Plus, a stealth streaming comeback. Netflix jumping 24% this month, almost 40% in the last six. An epic rebound. Now, one of our traders is looking at this colossal comeback and wondering if Snap can follow in Netflix's footsteps. And later, closing the deal, Elon Musk pledging to sign on the dotted line and buy Twitter by Friday. Sal Michaels said of the 1980 U.S. hockey team, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Bono and Eisen, Dan Nathan, Guy Adami, and Julie Beale. But we begin with a monster night for earnings. Texas Instruments, Spotify, Chipotle, Microsoft, Alphabet, all on the move after posting results. We've got full team coverage. CNBC's Christina Parts Julia Borston, Pippa Stevens, Steve Kovac, all digging through the numbers. They're dialing into the calls. But let's get straight to Debo, who will go inside Alphabet's miss. Deidre. Hey, Melissa. Um, well, I would characterize this quarter as a disappointment, but not a disaster. The fundamentals continue to hold up better than that over at Meta and Snap. Of concern, though, there was further weakness in not just YouTube, which was well expected, but there was search advertising business. That came in lighter than expected, and that has been far more resilient to softening ad spend so far this year. That, along with a stronger dollar, hit the bottom line. EPS was 15% below expectations. That makes it the biggest earnings miss in a decade. Google Cloud was a bright spot. Small beat here. Should note, though, Microsoft saw a miss at Azure. So we'll have to see what Amazon says later this week for a more complete picture of the hyperscalers. As to how Alphabet is thinking about next year in a potential recession, well, I just spoke to CFO Ruth Porat, who said that their capital allocation plans are on track while the macro climate does remain challenging and complicated. The call just kicked off. Melissa, Sunar Pichai is making his opening comments. We'll be listening very carefully and bring you anything that comes out of that. All right, Deidre, keep us posted. Deidre Bosa, um, let's trade this one. Value trade is regarded on the desk. A value trade, or is it, Dan? Uh, listen, it is value. And I think when you start thinking about P.E. to growth, especially in a period uh, you know, like we're in right now, we haven't had this confirmed recession. They're trying to give some kind of macro outlook, and they know that it's going to be difficult. Things are going to get worse right now before they get better. I mean, that's just the fact of it here. So I think a lot of us were expecting to see this sort of miss maybe in the Q2 results when they reported in late July. So we didn't see that. So to me, I don't think you have to jump in and buy any of these things. I think we're going to be talking about Apple and Amazon quarter on Thursday, very similarly that we're talking about Microsoft and Google. No matter what these guys guide to right now, I think you have to be a little bit skeptical anyway, because the visibility is really poor. So the question is, though, value trap, or do you start legging into a position in a Google like this if you feel like you missed it? I think you probably do somewhere between, I don't know, you tell me, 90 bucks or something like that, 85 bucks or so? Yeah, that makes sense. But in terms of, well, let's just look at the quarter real quick. I mean, a dollar six, which is a miss this year, Said, but it's a dollar forty, same quarter last year. I mean, year over year decline. That's pretty significant. One, operating margins, and this sounds like a, a nitpick. It's not twenty five percent. Street was looking for close to twenty eight percent. Not good. Then you go all the other metrics. Um, cloud, not particularly good. YouTube, not particularly good. 
So is it about, yeah, I mean, you can make a compelling case on valuation. You could have said that $25 ago, literally. So what does it mean? It means as much as I thought Google was best suited to weather this storm, clearly they're falling victim as well. And quickly, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they added like 11,000, 12,000 new employees up to about 187,000 employees in an environment where everybody seems to be going the other way. So at a certain point, you're going to have to probably see people getting laid off there, as unfortunate as that is. So 90, 94 is the right level in between. And given given what we heard from Microsoft and a couple of okay. these companies, it feels like it might actually get there. I mean, I think that the question for a lot of investors at this point, particularly having seen the, the earnings for the third quarter, is what do you pay for this slowing revenue growth that we have right here? And does that number change given the context of the markets where these might be seen as relatively more defensive, Bonowin? So you are willing to pay a higher market, higher than market multiple, perhaps for slowing revenue growth just because this is more defensive. Yeah, I mean, so you, you talk about value trap. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep the word value, and this is really a relative value performance um, trap, seemingly, right? Because the the notion going in was that this search was going to outperform was going to outperform display in terms of ad revenue. It was going to be booed a bit there. Uh, Guy already took you through the YouTube numbers. I mean, you want to see some growth in cloud. They've already made cuts around some of their other growth engines um, related to gaming and in-house incubation. So, like, you know, they've really pulled a lot of levers, really trying to bring down costs. So I'm a bit surprised here um, that this thing actually isn't trading even lower. And I think that the perception was that Alphabet out of the other mega caps was where you could you still did have that margin of safety let's take uh, Apple out of this conversation only because I'm going to argue that that's you know a hardware consumer goods type of company visa visa true tech uh, ad play or tech play but I don't think there's much good to find here and I do think that you are probably going to start having a bit of a reweighting on the positive side being that I've been nothing but negative to here it only trades about 19 and a half 20 times forward earnings and I think you know Maybe people had already seen some of this coming, to Guy and Dan's point, but I don't think that the margin of safety that was perceived to be here is here in the earnings release. All right. Julie, what is your take? It's interesting to see that Meta is trading lower on the back of the ad revenue outlook um, that is coming out from this company. Yeah, I think you think about the ad spend market overall, and your stalwarts are your Facebook and your Google. And so seeing the softness and seeing it so broadly across the business, it's concerning, right? And I, I completely agree with Bono. And like this one was really seen even by me as one that just has a level of durability to it, particularly just the market share in search is just, it's just indistinguishable. Like it, no one has this kind of market share. So, you know, my concern going forward is that you probably have only started to see, you know, all of these advertisers deciding to pull back on their ad spend. I think they still stay with the major players. I think they still pull back more on things like, you know, Snapchat, et cetera. But it's not positive looking forward from here. Uh, let's get more on Alphabet with Fast Money friend Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Um, Gene, do you think investors will rethink how, quote unquote, safe Google is, given what it said about advertising in particular? I think they will for the next three months, six months, uh, maybe even nine months. But I think that uh, the answer is probably going to gravitate to lessons from history. And I just want to put some perspective. Everything that has been uh, laid out today is accurate in terms of the headwinds. And I'll just add one more negative, then I'm going to answer your question. 
is that search grew at 4% year over year. A year ago in September 2021, it grew at 44%. So talk about a deceleration, that's all bad. And to your question, will investors get over this? I think ultimately they will because we're investors in Google. There's nothing in this that makes me think that the, the business won't rebound. Now, now go back 13 years to 2009 when they reported their September quarter. Uh, I was an analyst at the time. I was on that call. I think I asked a question on that call, but Eric Schmidt, then CEO, led off saying that they had a strong quarter and they grew reven revenue by 7% despite a difficult economic environment. In the subsequent year, in 2010, they grew revenue at 26%, and the average growth over the next five years was 25%. And I think the takeaway is that Google's business is impacted by the macro. It was impacted 13 years ago. It's being impacted today. But we cannot separate our lives from their products, and advertisers understand that. And I think, ultimately, investors will recognize that, and shares will respond appropriately. It's interesting, Gene. I mentioned the headcount. I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but margins clearly are a big deal, and those are declining in this environment with headcount increasing. I mean, that math to me doesn't sort of add up. Something's got to give there. Am I looking at this correctly? The only piece I would mention is that September typically is a strong quarter for uh, headcount. Uh, they hire a lot of people out of college. Uh, they get the summer off. They come into uh, work in September. So there is a little bit of seasonality in those numbers. Uh, but I think that the, the broader trajectory around headcount is uh, a flattening. It's still going to grow, but the pace of headcount will decline. And I suspect that we're going to hear a lot on the earnings call about costs, uh, about, about some of the things that uh, the company's been talking about more recently, about tightening headcount and effectively improving margins, getting more productivity. I think uh, they've talked about getting 20% more productivity out of people. Investors will like that long-term too, because that should have a positive impact on margin. Stock is down 6.3% right now. The, G, uh, the call is about nine minutes in, Gene. And I'm, I'm curious what you think, how you think they're going to approach guidance. That seems to be you know, that will be very important in terms of how they speak about what they're seeing, the trends through the quarter in terms of ad spend, et cetera, if they're seeing weakness from small, medium businesses, small, medium-sized businesses. Um, how do you think they treat that? I think they're going to draw a line between brand advertising, which is what we heard from Snap last week, and what we're going to hear from Meta tomorrow, which is all negative around brand advertising and, uh, and performance uh, direct response. I think they're going to talk about an increased softening around that and probably not as much visibility. So I suspect that, uh, you know, that the substance of this, uh, of, of uh, their commentary, is probably going to be neutral to slightly negative. Uh, but I don't think, uh, I, I mean, their business is being impacted by the macro. We saw it tonight. Uh, the macro is not turning on a dime in the next uh, in the next two and a half months. And so I suspect we're going to pick up commentary. Again, I, I don't think that changes anything about where this business is going to be long term. I think right. a year from now, we're going to be talking about 20% growth back in search. All right. Gene, uh, thank you. Gene Munster, thank Loop you. Ventures. Um, and the, actually, the company just addressed your headcount mm -hmm. uh, issue, Guy. That the Q4 additions will be significantly lower 
than Q3. Yeah, so Sundar Pichai, the CEO at Kara Swisher's Code Conference, this was, I think, the first or second week of, of September. He was the one who made that comment about being coming 20% mm-hmm. more productive. And a lot of analysts and I think a lot of onlookers were trying to figure out what that means. And so, again, when you see the sort of quarter they had misses on these core business segments, when we get this guidance, I suspect that it's not going to be particularly great. And, you know, let's just think about this, how investors think about this. You're looking at the out year, right? So if you said right now we're expected 12% earnings and sales growth and the things trading about 18 times, that seems very reasonable relative to itself and relative to many of its peers. Why not just guide down the current quarter? They at least have that visibility right now. Let the thing flush a little bit, because I think if you get to Guy's point, you know, that $90 or 85, you're basically filling in. You're round tripping all the way back to late 2020 or so. And then you set up for a stock that we know is going to be a market leader in all those different areas that they have. And then they can just start beating again as we get into 2023, when the likelihood is when we have that recession. I mean, the question, though, going into this quarter is why don't all of these companies just take the opportunity and just throw the kitchen sink out there and just say these are going to be the impacts? I mean, for Alphabet, it was a 6 percent FX, you know, impact. They knew that. I mean, they didn't know maybe 6 percent specifically, but they knew there was going to be an impact. These companies know that there's going to be an impact and is a negative to neutral to negative guidance on the call or neutral to negative commentary on the call. Will that be good enough, Julie? It sounded like you're having a crisis of confidence in your alphabet holdings. Is that going to be good enough? Or do you say, you know what, I know things are going to get worse in the near term in the next three months and and I rethink my position? Well, I think everything depends on your hold period, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm a slow moving turtle. My average hold period is five (laughs) years. So for me, looking at a business like Google with a franchise like that, it's fine. I, I don't see anything that's really fundamentally impairing that business. My biggest concern always with Google is regulatory, right? That's that's longer term what I, I see as being a bigger issue. But, you know, I think on the headcount and the, the need to cut costs, I think we're going to hear that. We already heard that last quarter, but we're going to hear it a lot more from some of these tech businesses. It's like, it's that's it. No more ping pong tables. No more kombucha stations. It's done. We need to actually make people come into the office and do their jobs. And I think that's going to really flow through the numbers because these businesses are fundamentally very profitable. I mean, without kombucha, I don't know who's going to go into the office. <laughs> All right, now you look at me. <laughs> what? Because I know that you don't, A, know what it is, and B, All right, so like kombucha, it. it sounds like it's like a bowl, something you put in a bowl. Not- We're going to move on because <laughs> no. we, got, we got bigger fish like to fry tonight. a Chipotle tonight. bowl with kombucha. <laughs> Microsoft, Chipotle's later on. Microsoft is now beating on the top of the bottom lines, but cloud revenue coming in a little bit foggy. Steve Kovac is here with a look at the results. Steve? Hey there. Yeah, Mel. So let's talk about what's going on there with Azure because shares are falling despite those beats on the top of the bottom lines. And Azure is one of the culprits. Cloud growth for Azure coming in light at 35 percent or, as Microsoft likes to put it, 42 percent on a constant currency basis. Street looking for 36.4 percent growth there. Now, the story Microsoft has been telling, Mel, they see a long runway ahead for public cloud adoption. And Azure growth may falter a little bit in this recessionary environment. Environment, but it's not going to fall off a cliff. So expecting more details on the call at 530, but it was likely foreign exchange headwinds behind that Azure miss. Over on the other big miss here, Windows OEM revenue, that's the money PC makers pay Microsoft, that was down 15%, which was actually worse than Microsoft CFO Amy Hood uh, predicted last
last earnings. So this is really bad news for PC demand. Uh, three other things, though, I want everyone to listen for on the call, which doesn't start till 530. Uh, more on foreign exchange should be listening for any comments from CFO Hood on how they're viewing those headwinds through the rest of their fiscal year. Previously, they said it should ease up in the first half of 2023. I'm curious to hear if that stays the same or not. Plus, any comments on fall in IT spend, especially among small and medium businesses. And finally, like I was talking about earlier, is PC demand still falling or are there any signs of recovery as we head into the holiday season? All three of those things give insight not only to Microsoft guys, but the macro environment as well. All right, Steve, keep us posted. Steve Kovac, uh, Bono, and your take on this. Yeah, so the SMB is definitely one thing to keep in mind, but I really think like the cloud was really, that's the engine of growth behind Microsoft. I mean, that's why you're paying 25 times forward earnings for this company that's been around forever. I mean, yes, it's a cash cow. We can wax poetically about the balance sheet and everything that they're able to do and ability to return shareholder value, but ultimately you're paying for growth. That's why you're paying 25 times. So if you don't want this thing to trade at a multiple closure to what we just said Alphabet trades at, you're going to need to see uh, growth there. And you're going to need to see resilience in that SMB segment as well, because I think that's where you're likely to see some some economic uh, shocks. Again, we're 15 minutes away from the call, so who knows? But the stock feels like it wants to go higher at this point. If you look at the chart, it's really holding in there at uh, just uh, down 2% right now, Guy. It's the same. You go back last quarter. Mm -hmm. It's almost a mirror image of last quarter in terms of the conversation we were having. The stock closed that day at 255 Post-market was trading literally the levels we're at now. They made comments in the conference call that they were not seeing demand destruction. The stock proceeded to trade north of 255. And then the rest of the month and a half, two months, when the broader market rallied, it traded 290-something. I think it's different this time. Now it's two quarters in a row. To Bonowin's point, valuation becomes a concern. I think here at 245, it's sort of no man's land, to be honest with you. I mean, we traded as low as 222, I think, a couple weeks ago up to that 298 level, we're in the middle of the range right here, so you're flipping a coin. Yeah, and if they guide down, though, the stock's going right back oh, there. And yeah. I'll say what's different about, like, now versus, let's say, three months ago is that at the time, I think investors, because sentiment was so poor here, there was this expectation that the Fed might pivot. I think that we were told last night by Bianco, it's called step down now. It's, step not, a down, yeah. it's not a pivot anymore. So I think we all know that the step down is not a pivot here, but we also learned a lot in the last three months here. And so, to me, I just think that, again, if we have two guys downs today, and we're going to know during this show, and let's just say expectations are going to be lowered for Thursday when we have Apple and Amazon, but if that doesn't really deliver, I just don't think we're going to have the broader market rally that we had in July into August, because again, I just don't see the incentive of bidding this market up into year end when we know that a lot of these companies are dealing with a lot of headwinds here. Yeah, I mean, we've already had three days of rally uh, right now, Julie, so how are you feeling about We don't know what the companies will guide at this point, but um, how are you feeling about continued gains at this point? I I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, what the sell side estimates are versus the buy side estimates. And if I think about the second quarter, it seemed like sell side estimates didn't move. Buy side estimates had gone actually down quite a bit. And when companies did okay, that really supported the rally and this concept of of the pivot really took hold. And now I think we're in a situation where, you know, we had been hoping for better results and they're not so good. And that's not in line with buy side estimates, which are the ones that are actually making the trades here. Um, And I I think that actually creates more vulnerability. So even if we do get a a step down or step over or step along, I don't know, uh, do side do, I could, you know, 
I don't know what happens on that side, but the critical thing to understand is that where are expectations relative to the market? That's really what's driving things. Yeah, so and Julie just makes a great point about buy side expectations. But on the sell side, you look at a company like Microsoft. This is per fact set. There's still 52 analysts who rate the stock a buy, only six holds and no sells. So ultimately, what I'm saying is if you do have, you know, a kitchen sink like you just mentioned, a lot of those analysts on the uh, uh, with their buy ratings are going to have to change they those buy to, ratings, yeah. right? Now, that it's doesn't mean reset. and that doesn't mean these stocks crash because of that. No one really cares one way or another. But it does mean that you're having a shift in sediment and sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of work off of some of those excesses of over-exuberance in a really small group of names. An elementary school this is gonna in be the quick. late six. It's got to be quick. How quick can I be? I'm not Go. that Keep talking. We had to take <laughs> finish, square finish dancing, this. and I learned the term do-si-do. We said do-si-do, not do-si-do, but it's kind of maybe in the That's West what Coast. what it is on the West Coast. Yeah, so it's say a little coast, different. Do-si-do is do-si-do. You know, West Coast uh, is the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a lot more on Microsoft later this hour. But first, there's more after hours earnings action on tap. Spotify, Texas Instruments, both dropping on their results. The details on the quarters next, plus a couple stealth stock comebacks that caught our traders' eyes in today's market rally. We'll name names when Fast Money returns. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are back with a double dose of earnings alerts, starting with Texas Instruments, the company reporting strong top and bottom line results for Q3, but shares sinking after issuing very weak guidance for the current quarter. Christina Parsonevelis is here with the latest. Christina. Well, Texas Instruments is considered more resilient than other semiconductor names, and that's given to its greater exposure to industrials as well as auto. Both verticals actually contribute 62% of their total revenue. But today's earnings report shows the weakness is starting to spread. I was literally just on the earnings call. It ended maybe about five minutes ago, and management said, quote, weakness is broadening to include industrials. They also said cancellations increased in Q3 as customers work through their backlogs, higher labor costs also hitting margins. The auto market, though, is 
is taking a little bit longer than industrials to correct, possibly the only vertical not to fall next quarter. An analyst asked why that was so, and management said electric vehicles, infotainment, and self-driving systems are helping. Well, you know, like you mentioned, Q4 outlook came in light and shares did drop on the news. But if you look at the stock just over the past week or so, there was quite a run-up. So we're kind of back to almost where we started at $153. Uh, plus the SOC is, I guess I could say this lightly, outperforming when you compare it to the S&P IT index and the SOC semiconductor ETF, which you can see those are down 27%, 40% versus Texas down only 18. Mel? All right, Chris, Christina, thank you. Christina Parts-Nevelis. Um, when we say very weak guidance, which Chris, Christina had mentioned, Q4 EPS was as much as 40 yes. cents below, you know, Analysts were so analysts were expecting two dollars and twenty three cents. They got they guided a buck eighty three to two eleven. I could drive a truck through that guidance, as they say. So they have no clarity whatsoever. Might as well not give guidance with that. And to your point, I mean, you're talking about a significant guide down. I'm shocked, by the way, that the stock isn't down more than it currently is, because going into this, it traded at a premium valuation against its peers. It is a very expensive stock. I would submit, Mel, it's more expensive now, as low as it is, than it was 45 minutes or so ago. Interesting. You like what I did there? I do. That's math. Yes. I can do that. It's probably a different show. <laughs> Challenge. Um, well, let's get to Spotify here. We're also watching the share sink there after hours. The company reporting better than ex- uh, bigger than expected loss in Q3. Revenue is coming in slightly above estimates. Julia Borson's got the latest for us, and you had a chance to catch up with the CFO and CEO, Julia. I did. I spoke to Daniel Ack and the company's CFO um, as well. But what was really interesting here is even though the stock is down over 5%, the company added 23 million monthly active users. That's 6 million more than projected. The reason the stock is down is because a bigger loss than anticipated of 99 euro cents. So Daniel Ack and CFO Paul Vogel, they told me that while they saw some weakness in advertising, the fact that ads are just about 13% of their business, they do see that as an advantage. And on the earnings call just now, CEO Daniel X said that when it comes to the company's premium subscription service, they would like to do a price increase. He told me, quote, we've actually done more than 46 price increases in markets around the world. And many of those markets have had way more inflation and way more economic issues than the U.S. is currently experiencing. Despite all of that, our subs numbers held up way better than expected, saying we think we have pricing power. Now, in our conversation, X also took a swing at Apple, saying that Apple had unfairly rejected Spotify's app for selling audiobooks, saying they're fighting that and particularly fighting Apple in the UK. Uh, Melissa, we see those shares down just under 5%. Julia, thank you. Julia Borston, Dan Nathan, what do you make of this? Interesting. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Netflix and just kind of the difficult time that they've had over the last year. You know, when you look at Spotify, this is a company that is just not nearly as profitable as Netflix. And both of these companies have had some issues. We know that um, Netflix has just raised their um, uh, subscriber or subscriptions. and They're really trying to focus on that 40 percent gross margin at Netflix, 25 percent here. I think those um, monthly users, those active users mm-hmm. going up the way they have, that's great for them. That 13 percent av- advertising growth is only going higher here. So again, this company probably does have pricing power. If they are able to raise that, it probably drops down to that margin. Probably a good buy at some point. I got to tell you, I mean, where's the stock in the aftermarket at 92? Somewhere with an eight handle here. All 
Coming up, Microsoft's call set to kick off in just a few minutes. The top analyst who covers the stock will join us to lay out his take on the company's quarter. Plus, stocks staging a nice rally today. But there were two names in particular that caught our traders' eyes. More on the moves next. You're watching Fast Money. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money Stocks, closing out a rare three-day win streak. The Dow jumping more than 300 points. The S&P jumping 1.5%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq leading the charge, climbing more than 2%. Two names in particular catching our traders' attention. Netflix rising 3%, inching toward the $300 mark, a level the stock has not seen since that awful Q1 earnings report. Shares of Snap jumping more than 15%. That stock hasn't quite recouped its losses after last week's report. But it's getting close, Dan hopes. Well, it's funny. We were talking about this on our call yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so I was long into this print. It was down 30% on Friday. It wasn't great. I bought it aggressively. That was my final uh, trade on Thursday afternoon. I got my average down to 8 bucks here. So we have this move up to 9.5. It's down in sympathy here with the Google. But to me, I mean, that's how you have to trade a name like this. And, you know, as maybe some sort of analog, if you look at the way Netflix had had some massive gaps over the course of this past year, there's a lot of things going on, macro headwinds, some own goals by them, that sort of thing. seems like they're coming out of it. Guy had a great call that Netflix would fill in that that gap, that last big gap to 300 bucks. Well, I think that Snap, it's kind of like who's left to sell here, I guess, mm-hmm. is the point. We know that they have a restructuring. So to me, that's the kind of play. I did take some profits on some of that stock that I bought at 750 at 950 today. That's how you got a, a trade around a core position. But to me, I actually expect it's going to fill in that gap that we just had to about 10 and a half bucks. So I have a, a question because we use the word trade a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you say for a trade, yeah. how do you think of that? Is that time? Is that percent gain? Is that for me in this situation that I am long and I have a long term time horizon on a portion of this position. But because we had such a massive move, I bought more and I had an outsized position. So to me, because I had such a massive percentage gain in a short period of time, that's why I traded a portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice trade, Dan. I mean, I will say like those two aside, this really felt like a rates day, not an earnings day. And that is like extremely odd, being that we're in the middle of earnings season. And the, our whole argument for like why we should continue to move up and to the right is that, okay, yes, expectations have been lower, but stocks really aren't performing and earnings aren't nearly as bad as really we, really what we thought. And the apocalypse is not coming, et cetera. But you see the rate move, you see the dollar move down, you see Fed fund futures all up. Like n- none of this to me. And then you then going back to the two names that you just said, Snap, Snap leads the market higher. How about home builders? ITB, XHB. Did you not see the report out of like home ownership, home prices, home mortgage applications? I mean, there is nothing fundamentally strong about this market aside from the fact that you saw a reversal in rates. And I honestly think that's why you see names like Snap that are like the most speculative pockets of this market right now. Great trade aside, it's why you're seeing that leadership. I don't really think this is about earnings at all. And for those people leaning into this, thinking that us beating much lowered expectations, I would I would strongly caution you to look around and see what's going on with the macro environment. Well, and in information. Pivot, do-si-do, two-step, or whatever, whatever else. Call, it whatever ain't happening. The, no damn. Thank you, call it. 
Um, in, an, in an information vacuum like we've had for the past three days where we did not have the luxury of knowing what the earnings would be for big cap technology, a decline in rates certainly was just enough fuel for that rally. But now, Julie, how have things changed if they have or is it still just all about rates? I, you know, I think everyone is going to look at these earnings on a case by case basis. Mostly people are concerned about guidance. I think particularly as we get further on into how is the consumer doing, these tech earnings are important in terms of understanding business confidence. But I think consumer confidence is now the bigger issue as holiday is looming on us. So that's what I think is going to be important. But I, I agree with Bonwin. Like I, I don't, I don't understand any of these fundamental drivers or why we're so enthusiastic about inflation being softer when it's mostly in housing. That's slow to become unstuck. Coming up, more in Microsoft's quarter. The company conference call is underway right now, and a top analyst will join us next to break down the headlines. And Chipotle charging higher after its results. What do we call that? A burrito blowout, Melissa Lee. not doing much in the after hours. Uh, What it said about pricing power, that seems to be a recurring theme. we got the details on Fast Money Returns. Chipotle giving up early gains after its earnings report. Profit per share coming in 30 cents above estimates, though revenues missed slightly. The company, the latest to show its ability to raise prices for customers. Pippa Stevens joins us now with more from the report. Pippa. Hey, Melissa. Well, Chipotle did raise prices by 4% in August, which was the third price hike over the last 15 months. CEO Brian Nichols saying just now on the call that so far the company has seen minimal resistance to price increases this quarter, although transactions did fall 1% during the period. Nichols did warn that consumer discretionary spending is tightening, and he said there's a widening of trends by income level. Lower income consumers have further reduced frequency with higher income households increasing their purchase frequency. And he added that the majority of Chipotle's customers are in that higher income category. Nickel will join Jim Cramer on Mad Money tonight coming up at 6 p.m. Melissa. Pippa, thank you. That's an interesting little nugget. The higher income people. It sounds like a trade down is happening. Maybe they're not going to whatever restaurant and they're going to Chipotle. Not going to that place that Dan goes to on Thursday night, that that Fort Charles place and going to see. I love CMG. I don't care what income. I mean, I'm in that place. Here's what I'm concerned with. Digital sales continue to falter. Thirty seven point two percent. Not good. Thirteen percent increase since August of last year. You wonder how long that can continue before people say no mas. Margins hung in there. Uh, Net sales were good, although I tell you, on the revenue end, they missed. So. There's a lot to like here. There's a lot not to like given the valuation. Now, I'm going to give them a pass and say they'll still be able to pass on costs the same way Coke and Pepsi have been able to do. But now we're sort of we're right on the razor's edge in terms of does valuation matter or people going to look past it? Yeah, Julie. Yeah, I I think I agree. Like when you start to be at these higher end valuations, it starts to be really critical to have execution. It's critical to have pricing power, which it looks like they do. The only thing is, is that if you're losing a part of your customer base, you know, pricing power or not, that that just means your earnings power has been reduced. So I, I think I worry a little bit longer term how they're going to manage through a downturn. Um, you know, will people trade down from their three martini lunch to Chipotle? I don't know. I, you know, I hope so for them. But it is really important to bear in mind, like the health of their consumer is critical. Um, it hasn't even made a dent in the gains that it's made in this past three day rally. 
with this pullback, mm-hmm. quote unquote pullback, which is down half a percent in the after hour session. And maybe that speaks to the kind of stock that you want to be in this environment when it comes to the ones that have pricing power, the quote unquote staples as Chipotle become sort of a staple. I don't think, I mean, listen, you know, again, it's one thing to be a Coke or a Pepsi or a Procter and be able to pass those costs through. You know, when you think about a Chipotle, you think about all the different demographics. I I go back to that that beautiful soliloquy that that Bonwin just had in that last block. Do you remember that? About about, Well, about earnings, about what's going on here, about like kind of, you know, investors. They just told us something here. Remember when Walmart told us that they're seeing a new customer, they're seeing a trade down, that sort of thing? I think earnings season is amazing to me as somebody who likes to think about the here and now, but also think about longer term. Right now, I mean, if you put together a little bit of a mosaic, this is not a good data point as far as the U.S. consumer. Two-thirds of our GDP is the U.S. consumer. So to me, I think this is kind of the tip of the iceberg sort of stuff. All right, we've got some details off of Alphabet's conference call. Alphabet, by the way, is down by 6.8% right now. Let's get back to Gene Munster for more. Gene, what'd you hear? I heard Ruth talk about difficult comps and difficult FX that it's going to weigh, in her words, on December revenue growth. And so you're probably going to see the street lower revenue by a couple percent. Uh, She also talked about uh, a slowing of headcount. Uh, to Guy's point, it's been up and to the right. I didn't realize this. They had 51,000 people last year. That's going to slow down. But when you put those two comments together about just FX impact and the difficult comps, along with kind of some of the their commentary about headcount, uh, the substance of what Ruth said on the commentary was pretty light. And I think that's spooking investors. And some of the follow-up questions from investors uh, they continue to to kind of stay away from uh, some of the macro commentary. And so uh, I think that they're seeing uh, a slowdown in their business. I don't think it changes the trajectory of it long term, but uh, that's where the conference call stands. Yeah. Gene, thanks for the update. Gene Munster, again, down almost 7 percent right now in the aftermarket. I mean, that's that's to, to the point that I was trying to ask Gene about in terms of how they handle guidance and guidance, meaning commentary about the future, about the trends that they're seeing right now. And the fact that there's sort of still an information vacuum in some in some way that he was talking about, not really giving a, a robust sort of picture of what they're seeing. That's scary. But that's what that's what we all do not see right now, right? I wouldn't we don't re- know what the macro. Yeah, is. listen, and because companies are starting to do it, where they say, you know, going forward, we're not going to give forward guidance. You know, this is not an environment to be giving guidance if you have zero visibility. Which, quite frankly, companies like Google, a lot of these companies don't have visibility. You see how quickly things turn within a couple weeks in this world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're weeks into the fourth quarter. They have plenty of visibility. I mean, you think about this. I mean, like, so So to me, I actually think they should be able to guide um, for this quarter and, and guide confidently. You know what I mean? So Guy just talked about some guidance that was given. I don't even remember. Maybe texting. You could drive a truck through it. Fine. Give wide guidance and then let analysts kind of move the midpoint of the prior guidance and where their estimates are. So to me, I mean, it's not great. Um, I mean, when, you're, when peers are removing guidance, it gives you the wiggle room to remove guidance. And being that your charge is to maximize shareholder value, we talked about why we didn't, why they don't just kitchen sink quarters when you have the opportunity. Well, that's why, because what you don't want is a stock to absolutely just fall off a cliff. And so if the person that, that you're competing against is either removing guidance or giving a loose, opaque type of forward guidance, I think it kind of empowers you to do the same thing. There's no reason for you to paint yourself in a corner, a la Walmart. I mean, Walmart gave guidance, and then look what happened. Happen. Or we've had these companies come out and say the FX effect is going to be 6 to 7%, and it's been 8 9 10%. So, I mean, I, I just think it's really about comparing yourself to the norm and what your peers are doing. 
Coming up, Microsoft's earnings call underway. We are dialed in talking with one top analyst to get you the details. Plus, we are edging closer to the deadline for Elon Musk to close his deal to buy Twitter. But will it actually happen? What the options market is saying about the deal. Fast Money's back in two. Microsoft out with earnings after the bell shares near after hours lows. The conference call just kicking off. For more on the quarter, let's bring in Jeffrey, senior tech analyst Brent, Brent Phil. Um, Brent, the slowdown in, in Azure and cloud, how, how do you think about the valuation, how Microsoft is valued given that slowdown in the growth engine? Melissa, it was the first time that I can recall that Amy's actually missed her guidance on Azure. So I think, you know, Office was very good. Azure was a little light. Their commercial bookings was was way below. Um, so I ultimately feel that uh, it wasn't a wide miss, but the problem you have with Google, TI, the rest of tech missed tonight. So I think we have a general uh, overall continued weight across the tech group. And we've been saying this repeatedly. We think there's tactical concern across the whole group as we're seeing demand soften, was just on the Google call, Google seeing advertisers pull back. You're seeing across the board. So this is general macro. This isn't competitive. And ultimately, I think Microsoft is valued on, on earnings. And this is still a $10 earning story. And what do you want to pay right now? And multiples have come in. So we think at, at 10 to 11, maybe $12 of earnings in the next year, you start to look at, you have to put a, tw- a mid-20 multiple to get upside. We think that's still reasonable uh, to get there uh, on the valuation of the stock. But I want to be very clear, tactically short-term, that we think there's an ongoing uh, technology storm that has moved in. And right now, most of our clients are sitting on the sidelines waiting for the storm to clear. They're underneath the bus uh, stop uh, uh, with the hail coming in and they want to come back out. But it's going to be another quarter or two before these companies clear the deck on the on the real numbers. And we still don't know what 23 looks like. Our economists are saying we're going into a recession in 23. So we still have an ongoing reset. And I think, again, most tech investors are waiting to see really what the numbers look like for 23 rather than this quarter or next quarter, because the, the, the storm seems to be getting uh, stronger if you will, uh, and, and these headwinds are moving in even even more. We recognize these stocks have been hit hard, but we're also cognizant of, hey, these stocks probably won't find support until we get a full fundamental bottom on on, on what we're seeing in, across the group. Brent, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Bono in here. So you, you spoke about your economist forecast for recession next year. Would you mind kind of shedding a bit more light onto how that might affect the uh, small, medium-sized business impact of, uh, of Microsoft's um, offering? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So last quarter, they called out SMB weakness for the first time in as long as I could remember. And when you start to see small business weakness, you wonder, is it going to filter to large enterprise? And I think that's now what's concerning to investors is at some point, are we seeing the SMB weakness Microsoft called out uh, filter in? And we still don't know. We haven't had the Q&A with Microsoft yet, but I think that's the concern. And I think that's kind of where everyone is expecting this to go, that it's going to start to filter in uh, into the larger enterprise. So small business, no question, feels it first. They they are starting to feel it. Uh, there's various degrees of the weakness in SMB. Intuit, uh, who we cover, has not seen any weakness yet. And Microsoft called out last quarter. They are starting to see the weakness. 
All right, uh, Brent, we'll let you get back on that call. Microsoft is hitting after-hour session lows at this point, down by 3.2%. Um, Julie Beal, what's your take on, on Microsoft so far? Yeah, I think the SMB weakness is concerning, and it's concerning for broader reasons of the economy. You know, there's so many, uh, so much of the economy is actually driven by the SMB. And if you think about consumer confidence, we talk about it like it's this divorced group away from us. But, you know, we're all consumers. And so consumer confidence being weak, it broadens out into business confidence, and that starts in the SMB. So I think you see early cracks happening. And I think broadly, people were really paying up the multiple on Microsoft for that cloud business because it's high recurring revenue. And I think any kind of weakness there really calls into question that multiple. All right. Um, again, Microsoft after our session lows at this point. We'll keep tracking this one. Coming up, will Elon Musk's Twitter deal actually go through? How options traders are betting this pans out. Fast Money's back in two. Earnings alert on Visa. Some comments coming out of the company's conference call. Let's get to Kate Rooney for the details. Kate. Hey, Melissa. That's right. Uh, Visa CFO Vazant Prabhu saying on the call just now that there is clearly a high risk of a global recession. They don't have a certain point of view on it. And if and when, as well as what kind of global recession, uh, they are presuming stable conditions, though, and say they're prepared to act fast if circumstances change. So they say here that's not necessarily factoring into Visa's guidance, but that's what they're expecting for the macro backdrop. They talk, too, about staying nimble and being able to control what they call controllable expenses, some of the operating expensive expenses, things like travel, things like marketing they're willing to, to pair back on. On revenue, we did get some guidance as well, Melissa. They are expecting net revenue growth in the high single-digit range, and that's pretty much on par with what we saw in the fiscal fourth quarter of this year. The stock uh, jumping a bit, though, after we got that revenue guidance. Back to you. Uh, Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney. Uh, let's get to Twitter here. Shares posting their highest close since Elon Musk first offered to buy the company. And as the deadline for the deal approaches, optimism is rising that it could actually get done. CNBC's David Faber first reporting this afternoon that Musk's equity partners have received closing paperwork from his lawyers. That's a good sign. And options traders are jumping on board, too. Mike Coe is the action Mike. Yeah, above average call volume in Twitter. The activity we're seeing are bets that the deal is going to close possibly as soon as the end of this week. One quick point, though, to anybody who's looking, please do not pay more than 20 cents for these 54 strike calls and don't buy anything higher than that because they settle to cash once the deal is consummated. Mike, thank you. Mike Coe for more Options Action. Tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another check on shares of Microsoft. Uh, pretty much at after-hour session lows, down by 4.8%. As far as we know, they have not yet given guidance, but in just the past 15 minutes or so, the stock dropped by about 1.3%. want to check the cues after this three-day rally that we've witnessed. Uh, we're looking to open lower here on the NASDAQ. Uh, the cues are down by 1.7%, obviously, from uh, all the blowback from these earnings reports. Final trade time. Let's go around the horn. Julie. I like West Pharmaceuticals. Gives you exposure to healthcare, but a nice small mid-cap name. Bono in. Don't believe the hype in the home builders. ITB, I'd be fading. Dan. Yeah, the Twitter, I still think there's a chance. I still think there's a chance this doesn't close on Friday. So downside puts look dollar cheap to me. Hmm. 
Guy. Defense stocks are defensive. Northrop Grumman into earnings later this week. All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.